This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Searchwide Global, the premier executive search firm in the DMO space. Mike Gamble and his team uncover the talent out there that isn't looking, meaning that clients get a far richer candidate base from which to choose than just placing ads in publications and online. And their client satisfaction rate across multiple metrics is an amazing 98%. If you're looking for a new opportunity or looking for the perfect candidate, call them. You can learn more at searchwideglobal.com. And now it's on to our show. Sarah Brish was named the executive director of the Stevens Point Area Convention and Visitors Bureau in August of 2010. Prior to that, she was the Bureau's director of sales and marketing for the previous decade. Since Sarah became CEO, the DMO's budget has nearly doubled. She now manages a pre-COVID budget of $760,000, five full-time employees, and five part-time employees. Sarah and her team just completed a three-year rebranding strategy that is sure to help lead the road to recovery when the pandemic passes. In addition to Sarah's duties at the CVB, she serves on several local, regional, and statewide committees that are related to tourism. She is currently the vice chair of Destinations Wisconsin and will take over the helm this December as the chair. She's also one of the founding members of the Sports Wisconsin team and currently serves as the chair of the Destinations Wisconsin Sports Committee. Sarah Brish, welcome to DMOU. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be on this side of the podcast instead of listening on a regular basis. <laughs> it's an honor really to be alongside so many other thought leaders in the industry. So I'm looking forward to today's podcast. Yeah, well, we were excited to have you uh, come on board. And, you know, there was a recent Destinations International Summit and uh, our own Terry White saw you explain to a roundtable group how you utilize CRM and CMS functions of your data platform. And somebody from a tier one destination, who will go unnamed, exclaimed to the room, wow. He goes, we don't even come close to using all the tools that you're using. And that's why we wanted to invite you to join us on DMOU today, because you manage, and there's no, there's no shame in this, you manage a third tier DMO that acts with a level of sophistication like one would expect from a tier one DMO. So let's get started. Question one. Let's start about how you view technology as making you a better leader, manager, and destination marketer. What is it about technology? I mean, I know we're awash in technology and it powers a lot of what we do, but a lot of us look at technology as the outbound vehicle in which we tell our story. How do you view the technology from the backside, from the inside? Well, what's all around us, as you just mentioned, and I've really always embraced technology here. I've also empowered my staff as well to embrace it. Um, when there's a salesperson that calls our office and wants to set up a live demo, we rarely say no. We want to know what the cutting edge GMO software is. And so doing these demonstrations really allows us to, to know what is out there. Sometimes we buy it, sometimes we don't, and sometimes we implement a workaround. But what we've learned is that the workaround usually is far more effective with a tight budget. And we're able to implement some state-of-the-art technology here at the Stevens Point Area Convention and Visitor Bureau. No doubt uh, technology can be pricey, but sometimes as leaders, we can't afford not to embrace it. And through the years, we've found as a small DMO, technology often creates efficiencies and streamlines processes. 
as you know, we can't hire a small army to execute our work. So technology really has helped us increase productivity. I think back to our CRM purchase and CMS for that matter. We bought into CRM almost 10 years ago and all of my peers with similar size budgets were envious that we could afford the software and would often say to me, how can you afford that? And why are you buying into that? And my answer then and today is still the same. How can we afford not to buy into it? It has really streamlined our processes here. I'm old enough to remember the days when I would have 36 spreadsheets in Excel that, you know, had everything in them from board members and business partners to meeting planners and group information. You know, and I just think back to those days and what a pain in the rear that was, (laughs) really. (laughs) Talk about inefficient. I just think not having a CRM back then was a time suck. And really, we can't afford the time and the personnel to manage all those spreadsheets nowadays. So CRM has allowed us to work smarter and, and really not harder. The other part of that is that I really, really, really love the reporting aspect of CRM. I use it for every board meeting, every stakeholder visit, every staff review, and to gauge our success day in and day out. And I think when you opened the show, you had mentioned that tier one GMOs were sort of envious at what we were using this platform for. And we use it across all lines of reporting when, again, working with our stakeholders, whoever they may be. And I found it to be really effective and giving folks the facts. And I love it. And I know firsthand that one of the strengths of being a good leader is that you're willing to take risks and fail and learn from your mistakes rather than take no risk at all. Just recently, we kind of fell flat on our face when it comes to technology. Recently, we purchased some housing software and it was an epic fail. We strained partner relationships and it was really kind of detrimental to our organization, but we've rebuilt since then. Then we were really excited to jump into the housing business only to learn that it required way more staff resources than we were led to believe when we bought onto it. So I hear the argument that DMOs under, let's just say a million dollar cap are going to have this challenge. How do you prove the value to your board? How do you how do you prove it to yourself? It's an expensive proposition, as you said at the outset, to get into CRM and CMS and, and, and other technologies. Can you share with us an example or two of where the CRM that you've invested in, outside of being really good at making you more efficient, has there ever been a moment where you say, that's why we bought it? Every day, honestly, having all this technology and embracing it, it frees up time for us internally. And we use it in so many different ways. I'm the type of leader that honestly makes sure that 100% of our staff is using CRM 100% of the time. And whether they're, you know, mingling with visitors that are walking into our beautiful center, or they're talking to someone via email, or they're answering the phone and listening to inquiries that a visitor may have. Like I'm asking them to log their every move with our visitors. I want to know where the visitor is coming from. I know I want to know what they're interested in. And we're logging all of that information so that we can use that for marketing purposes. Uh, so that rather than, you know, casting a wide net, 
we're using the research and analytics software to allow us to be more focused and more targeted in our approach of marketing. So, I mean, that would be one example of how we're using it to our advantage. But we're also, like every every other month, we meet with our board of directors and I pull reports. And during COVID, it's been instrumental to communicate and be transparent with my board about the effects that this pandemic has had on our organization. And so the lost log due to COVID has been, it's saved on my desktop and I go to it on a regular basis to see what number we're up to today. And so I can communicate that to our partners to let them know, you know, exactly what this pandemic means to our organization. So we use it in a wide variety of ways, whether it be for marketing purposes and trying to put people in buckets to, you know, hyper target their message, or if I'm using it with my stakeholders, we meet with our partners in tourism. We're not a membership based bureau, but we have partners, um, what we call our partners and they, they do, um, several co-ops with us throughout the year, but we're logging every mention of every one of those partners in our CRM. And every time I go on a visit, they know how many times they were mentioned in a blog and in a social post, in a newsletter, what we're communicating about their business. Um, Because I take those, what have you done for me lately? Mm -hmm. Printouts with me to some of those meetings uh, so they can understand the value of what our CBB offers them. And that is so important because so many DMOs, I think, are ill-prepared to explain that here's what we've done for you. And and I think the key that you said it earlier is you got to have your staff buy in. I've worked with a number of DMOs where, you know, the CEO is just pulling their hair out because they say, you know, I know that they're not updating on a daily basis. You know, like they'll wait for like two or three weeks and then they'll, they'll, they'll flip through their calendar and then, you know, take half a day and load everything in. And you, you, you're chuckling because you know what that's like. And you lose so much nuance and so much detail. And that detail is just everything. Right, right. Well, we're yeah. really blessed here. We have a, a university town here in Stevens Point area. And we work with an intern program on campus. And I would recommend anyone that has any type of campus in their community to work with their um, university or technical college, whatever it might be, to employ some of those interns that have a diverse skill set, but also can help with some of those mundane tasks. And one of those is, you know, the entry of visitor data into the CRM. And so if we're not doing it on a regular basis, you can bet that we have a clipboard at the you know front desk that's, you know, asked where are visitors are coming from? How many people are in their party? What was their inquiry? And then where did we refer them to? And so we're tracking every, every step of their journey here while they're in the community. And I think that's really important. Again, you know, long gone are the days when we would cast that wide net and we would be all things to all people. We've just found it so much more effective to find out what entices our visitors um, when they're in the region or, you know, want to travel and then hit them with a, a message that is relevant to what they want to hear. Very cool. You've also taken advantage of user-generated content in a really big way. Now, with a pre-COVID budget of 760, one could say that UGC is a great way to make your budget go farther, right? You don't have to contract with with videographers and with uh, photographers uh, to create the the money images that you want uh, in your social and on web. But you told me that that's not really why you're using user-generated content. It's not about the money. You said it's much more than that. Tell us about that. Well, 
Yeah, you know, um, we just went through a recent rebranding process and written into our strategic plan and our brand guidelines is the usage of UGC as a way to source authentic and real experiences from locals and visitors. We want it to be a part of who we are. We want it to be a part of our messaging. And really, UGC helps us build a digital asset database with photos and videos. But it's also a starting point to build relationships with those who have visited or live here. So we, you know, for example, you know, I was just talking to my partnership manager earlier today about the benefits of UGC as she just participated in a call with several other DMOs that are using UGC. And, you know, I think the relationship building is probably the most critical piece because not only are we asking for rights to use their photography, but then we're engaging in conversation. So we're asking them if we can share it. And so then they're closely monitoring our social, watching for us to share their beautiful, stunning photography. And then once we share it on our social, then they're sharing it on their social and right. it kind of goes viral and yeah. it's very organic and doesn't cost a lot of, it doesn't cost us anything. And so we found it to be, you know, just that social interaction piece to be really beneficial to the end game, which is to increase uh, awareness and build uh, visibility for the region. So, you know, over the summer we've had a lot of fun with UGC and uh, one of our campaigns asks local UGC influencers with super adorable uh, puppies, what their favorite places to play and enjoy the outdoors with their uh, furry friends were in the Stevens Point area. And so then on a weekly basis, we started uploading the cute photo of the pup. And then we also added additional information about their favorite place to play and favorite place to eat and favorite place to just really recreate in the region. And then we also then fed um, more phyto-friendly places into the post uh, so that people could be more aware of, you know, where they could take their uh, pets when they're in the region, whether they're locals or visitors alike. So just kind of a fun, fun way to engage not only the influencers, but our followers. And then uh, recently, another example of that would be... yeah. We just created a showdown for a perfect uh, weekend itinerary where we asked our followers to pick their perfect weekend by peering UGC content up against each other, meaning we asked if they like to hike or bike or fish or float or play disc golf or regular golf. And then we revealed the perfect weekend across all of our social channels. Again, pointing them to more content, specifically our, our blog posts that we have on our website. Again, done a lot of research and through you know all of the technology that's available uh, through um, a variety of channels. And we know that UGC really encourages deeper engagement and interest. For example, when someone visits our website and interacts with a UGC gallery that we have, and we have them all over our site, we know that they spend an average of an additional five minutes on our site, and they, they go to three additional pages wow. on our site. That's so, great. No doubt, UGC really creates better engagement. See, and that's what I love about the way you think. If anybody knows how how I'm attracted to ideas is they have to work on multiple levels. And so, you know, the knee jerk is, well, you don't need to hire as many professionals to shoot your stuff, but that it works in building relationships, that it builds engagement, mm-hmm. and it's authentic. Most consumers are getting smart enough that they can figure out a staged picture when they see one. 
And you can't have somebody out there 365 waiting for the perfect sunset, but somebody's going to get it, right? Right. So I love what you're doing there. That's so cool. So you're also using technology to significantly extend the reach of your visitor center's gift shop and locally made merchandise and food. So tell us about that thought process behind moving the gift shop online and where you see the future taking that gift shop. Yeah, first of all, um, we're moving into a state-of-the-art visitor center in the heart of our uh, county's vibrant shopping and entertainment district later this year. And we're super excited about that. I really couldn't think of a, a better place for us to be. And I think the most wonderful way we have envisioned the use of technology for visitors in our new center is very flexible. So our plan for our new space is to mix relevant imagery, again, using UGC about experiences in our destination with time-specific details. The focus um, of this project will be to provide inspiring and engaging visuals and calls to action for someone in the destination now. So using UGC again, we'll have gigantic video walls. We'll have four 43-inch screens and one 86-inch screen in the lobby. And that'll make up this video wall and we'll have images and uh, photo walls and visual content and videos, uh, event details to really showcase our brand assets and provide local information for our visitors to enjoy while they're in the center. So in essence, um, we'll be creating really a digital platform for our own closed circuit uh, DMO television station. That's kind of how we're viewing it. So we're really excited about that part. And then, you know, we'll still have the traditional guides and maps and brochures at the new center that'll act as uh, a visual storytelling experience that is on brand. But we want to leverage storytelling in other ways as well to better tell the community stories through use of interpretive signs in our new visitor center. And we're going to have decor that ties to the brand like beer and bikes and canoes and university memorabilia. So we really want to embrace the community brand. And I'm really excited about that piece. But to answer your question, Bill, what we have recognized now more than ever is that we need some income other than room tax, right? Right. Absolutely. (laughs) So in light of the current situation and in doing a lot of research throughout the country, We're adding a gift shop component. Keep in mind, we're in the heart of our shopping district, so we think it's going to do relatively well. And it's modeled, again, after many of our peers across the nation. So we want to sell souvenirs that really capture the Stevens Point, Wisconsin brand, if you will. And we're launching an integrated point-of-sale software that'll have the online store component, as you mentioned. We know now more than ever, uh, folks are turning to online stores to purchase their wearables and latest wag. Yep. So we feel it's important um, to set up a shop that'll be linked to our social channels and website and for the community to embrace. And we're really excited because we're expected to move in mid-November. So it'll be right around the holiday cool. season. And we're hoping to embracing technology as best we can, given our limited funds, but always looking at how we can integrate technology in everything we do in all aspects of our business. Once again, uh, multiple uh, levels of impact here. You've got a gift shop that reinforces uh, local makers, local ideas. You've got a gift shop that hopefully generates some revenue. But also, you know, for a community like Stevens Point, which, you know, everybody in Wisconsin knows Stevens Point, but outside of Wisconsin, you've got to have been there probably or stumbled upon you via social or web, not exactly a household name. And so 
that you're selling Stevens Point gear is an amazing mental nudge, if you will, for both locals who go, really? People want to buy that stuff? Which really helps with local support and local pride. And also, if there's somebody from Colorado who says, I want that, it says to them, oh, Stevens Point must be a big-ass destination, right? And I love that you're subliminally (laughs) suggesting that Stevens Point is a fabulous place, which it is, of course. But (laughs) so few people know that outside of Wisconsin. Well, we're going to let others tell our story through their branded swag, whatever that might be, whether it's a coffee mug or a t-shirt or a bumper sticker or a sticker on their Yeti mug or whatever it might be. So we're really excited about that incorporation. We have a beautiful visitor center now, but it's conveniently located at an exit. And when it was built, it was built right next to our largest hotel convention center back in the 90s and days of people rolling off the interstate and and coming into the uh, visitor center for visitor information are really um, behind us. And so we have to think about what is the visitor center for the next 25 years look like? And we hope that through a ton of research, and I've talked to many, many, many of my peers across the nation about the latest and greatest technologies that they included in their visitor center. And many of them gave me some very sound advice and I'm very thankful for all of them, and we hope that we are moving in the right direction with our new center, and we hope that we meet all of our visitor needs. So, Yeah, yeah, you are moving in the right direction, and I would agree with you. Where your original visitor center and offices were located was brilliant at the time, right? It was, as you said, right off the exit. I still remember an evening where you were hosting the Wisconsin Association of Convention and Visitors Bureau's meeting which happened during the day, and your predecessor, Tom Barrett, said, why don't we just you know, flip the visitor center at 8 o'clock tonight and make that the reception hall? We went, oh, great idea. And so you know, it's like 10, 30, 11 o'clock. We're whooping and hollering and drinking. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me. I'm going, Tom, you know, every car that goes by can see in here because you got all that glass. I said, this probably isn't the smartest thing to do. And of course, Tom, he just, ah, who cares? <laughs> We're in the hospitality industry. That's right. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Time for the bonus round question. We've heard some pretty fascinating stories from several of our past guests regarding how they found their way to destination marketing. Yours is pretty unique. You say that your path began when you were a nanny. Tell us your story. It all started with a babysitting job, yep. Yep. Um, Unlike the majority of my counterparts across the country, really, I intentionally pursued a career path in the tourism and hospitality industry. Way back in high school, many, many moons ago, I nannied for a family that owned a travel agency in Appleton, Wisconsin, so about an hour's drive from the Stevens Point area. They lived a very comfortable life as they owned their travel agency and travel really provided their family with so much opportunity. It immersed them in culture. They explored the globe because of their owning the agency. Uh, Travel for them was really educational and taught them so much about geography and history and provided them, you know, one of a kind culinary experiences. And I remember so much sitting around the dinner table, talking to their family about their recent trip to who knows where. And I thought it was such a wonderful family bonding experience for them on a regular basis. And so after going to the university here and pursuing an education in sociology, 
I just really longed for more. I wanted what that family had when I nannied, and I enrolled in a local travel consulting program here at our tech school and graduated with a certificate in travel consulting. And so after graduation from Mid-State Technical College, I started my career at a local travel agency, and I loved every aspect that the agency brought to my life. I did get to travel a bit, and I got to experience what that family experienced. I got, I got to immerse myself in the cultures. I got to learn about geography and history and the food culture across the globe. And it was just, was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful experience. And then after a couple of years, again, I'm old enough to say that I started my career in the travel agency prior to the World Wide Web being a thing, right? Yeah. And so (laughs) I saw the writing on the wall and I knew that I had to shift my career in the travel and hospitality industry. And so I started a lead role with a national hotel chain in in management at a local hotel. And after long, long hours and middle of the night wake-ups, and I was just tired, Bill. (laughs) And I knew that I needed to do more, and I wasn't sure what that was. And coincidentally, at that very time, my predecessor, Tom Barrett, uh, who we just spoke about, was hiring here at the CBB. And that started my long journey going into my 20th year at the Bureau. And I spent um, in sales and marketing and enjoyed that thoroughly. But then I had the opportunity to apply for my predecessor's position. And I have no regrets. It has been an incredible journey and I've loved every aspect of it. I've made long lasting relationships. I mean, you know, I mean, there's such wonderful, genuine, compassionate people in our industry. There's no regrets. So here I am. I don't know that I'm working less than I I did when I was in the hotel management role, but certainly having more fun doing what I'm doing, even in the midst of this crazy pandemic. Well, the leaders come to the top during crises, and that's exactly what's happening with you. And congratulations on 10 years at the helm. It just seems like, well, it doesn't seem like yesterday, but it doesn't seem like 10 years, that's for sure. And thanks for being a friend over the years. Uh, We have really enjoyed watching your career as you've emerged as a truly innovative DMO pro that has never let budget or destination size get in your way. So congratulations for all that. Onward. Thank you, Bill. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. And if people want to reach out to see what you're doing um, with technology through your website, through your social, how can they find you? Yeah. So um, they can email me at Sarah, S-A-R-A at StevensPointArea.com. They can find me on LinkedIn as well. Also a longtime member of DI. So you can search me on there as well. So there's a variety of places that folks can find me. Always um, interested in helping my peers across the state and the nation and the globe for that matter. And look forward to continuing to build relationships with uh, friends everywhere. And they can see your UGC and how you deploy that at your website, which is? StevensPointArea.com. All right, perfect. Thank you so much. You too. Thank you, Bill. Yeah. That's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers this is where the best and the brightest get together to tell inspiring stories for DMO pros. And thanks, too, to our sponsor, the folks at Searchwide Global, the premier executive search firm in the DMO space. Mike Gamble and his team uncover the talent out there that isn't looking, meaning that clients get a far richer candidate base from which to choose than just placing ads in pubs and online. Looking for the perfect candidate or the perfect position? Go to searchwideglobal.com. DMOPros.com is where you're going to find more on our services to the DMO world, plus links to the Z News, our Knowledge Bank, videos, blogs, and the biggest DMO job board on the planet, as well as links to earlier episodes of DMOU. That's DMOPros with a Z, 
DMOPros.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.